Welcome, listeners. This is, I guess, it's kind of like a special bonus episode to celebrate Halloween. I'm Chris, joined by, as usual by Liza. Hi. And Philip. What's up, Philip? Hey, what's up? All right. So, a few days until Halloween. This is Liza's favorite time of the year. Yeah. Uh, so, Liza, why don't you tell us why you love Halloween so much? Why? Uh, it's the I don't know I I feel like it's the it's the holiday that just has the least amount of obligations and responsibilities. <laughs> what? Well, I guess maybe unless you're a parent, maybe uh, then you have to yeah take your annoying kids out trick or treating. But certainly as like a as a young person, it, it's like all you have to do is party, right? And young so, like yeah. a young like child or like a twenty something. Oh, I meant like as, as like a young 20-something. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was yeah. going to say that if you're a young 20-something, then all the holidays are the same. I meant as <laughs> yeah, a parent, true. it's the most true. enjoyable holiday. Really? Uh, I, I, feel like, I feel like if you're in your 20s, like you, Halloween is this time of year when you might like overstress, you know, your costume and which parties to go to and like all this shit. So it doesn't feel that stress-free to me. When I was younger, yeah, when I was younger... Yeah, you're right, Philip. Like that was definitely like I liked Halloween less as I now that I have kids, I like Halloween more because it's the only holiday where you're like not obligated to see family members. Oh, that's uh-huh. what you mean. That's what you mean. Okay. Yeah, like you <laughs> you are just you can just like you take your kids trick or treating, you buy them Halloween mm-hmm. costumes, you just watch a bunch of horror movies and like eat junk food and like that's it. And then for you're like, not one of those like crazy competitive parents who like has to set up you know a haunted house with like apple no, bobbing and like no. crazy treats and you compete to see who has like the fanciest lawn you know no. decorations you don't you don't okay all right no Philip when you were saying about how uh, young people might get stressed out about costumes I thought that was a little bit ridiculous but then these days I don't know people might be competing for likes on Instagram yeah whereas before all you had to really impress was like you know your group of friends you were going out with or whatever but now I think some people don't even go out they just like dress up take a few selfies and then they just like I don't know stay home and eat are chocolate stakes, popcorn are the stakes higher than ever before for like sexy costumes because oh, now sure it's like, it just like showing up to a party and being sexy but like also getting more likes and you know. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it is. And obviously, this will affect girls more than guys. But hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe uh, equality is striking guys too. And, you know, we got to, you know, got to. I had a, I had a, sex, sexy, I had a sexy costume last year, actually. Oh, you mean the Colonel Sanders one? <laughs> yeah, that's right. The sexy yeah. Japanese dating sim, Colonel Sanders. That right. was fun. You kind of look like Ho Chi Minh as Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Which was yeah. a good look. Which was a good look. Yeah. No, no caution for me this year, though. You dressing up? No, I don't think so. It's oh. like, um, I have some friends coming over. We're just going to watch some movies. I might just buy like, I don't know, novelty glasses just to do things. I got a couple of prop swords uh, from previous costumes that I might try to incorporate. But it's just, okay. the mood is just so, it's not there. You not know? festive. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, over where we live, trick-or-treating is canceled. There's like no trick-or-treating. There's no trunk-or-treating. Mm-hmm. Hey, I have a question for you too. What's, what do you think is the greatest costume you've ever worn? I want to say this year is my best costume. My okay, whole uh-huh. costume this year is the scary nun from the Conjuring movies. Oh, oh yeah. Wait, yeah, I've seen that. That was legit scary. Yeah, and like, it's okay for me to say that because by the time this episode comes out, like, it'll be pretty close to Halloween anyway. Your kids get freaked out by your, by your like, realistic costume? No, because they, no, they've seen all the movies. 
Philip, what what's your uh, goat costume? My greatest of all time was probably in college. At one point, I dressed as Sid Vicious, Asian Sid Vicious. Oh <laughs> damn! Um, I want to see that. Is that like yeah, in Soul yeah, yeah. Searching Send that picture when around. he did it? Was yours better than the one in Soul <laughs> no, Searching? That, was, that whole thing was super cringe for me because I was like, I actually dressed up as Sid, like Sid Vicious, Sid Vicious. And you're like, and, and mine is better. Like, <laughs> and and not just like pretending, you know, it wasn't like, oh, well, I guess it was cosplay, but you know what I'm saying. You know, whereas the character in So Searching was like, he, I don't know, it was such a weirdly written character. He just like was named Sid and acted like the guy. I don't know, it was strange. But that was my, that was probably my best of all time. I had like the, the mohawk and everything, mm-hmm. um, like a tattered leather jacket with like all the pins and stuff. I'll, I'll find a photo. Actually, my greatest is somewhat related to that because the one I'm most proud of is Rufio. And Rufio <gasps> is kind of based on that aesthetic. So, yes. okay. Oh, oh, another question I want to ask. This was, um, uh, thing that I actually asked in our last episode on this trial of the Chicago 7 and I'm sure all the listeners are very confused because I know every listener hangs on to our every word and <laughs> remembers everything we say but I asked uh, you know if you, somebody could soundtrack your guys's lives who would you choose and we totally I totally forgot to ask it again uh, in that episode so hey let's answer it now it has to be a composer not a band not a singer Mine's a bit of, mine is a uh, band slash singer who became a composer, if that counts. That's legit. Yeah. So Trent Reznor and I was going to say, I bet you would try. I'm a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. I'm, I'm a fan of all of the, uh, the soundtracks he's done. Um, I also like, you know, my life has had some parts that were like an action movie. Uh, Nine Inch Nails did the soundtrack for Quake One. So there'd be great, you know, great like ass kicking tracks too. So. I think it would just be, it would suit the mood of my very moody, dark um, So biopic. your movie would be a thriller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It would be a thriller, definitely. <laughs> is this is this a movie, like a biopic of our lives, or just like soundtrack your life as you're walking about? Well, it would probably be a biopic, because, I mean, this is like you living your everyday life, but you get to have this music spontaneously come up as you live your life. So... Uh, I'm assuming you are living your life to your truest self and not being a poser. <laughs> so yeah, it is a biopic, uh, as as real as it gets, like a genuine true to life. The, biopic. the, the follow up question is, who would play you? <laughs> who oh well, that's that's a totally different question. I think we got to think about yeah, that. Yeah, that, that'll be um, the next episode. Okay. How about you guys? Eliza, you got you got a name in mind? Uh, yeah. See, I um, so I see my movie as um, my life is a domestic drama or a musical comedy. Mm-hmm. So let me think here. So I would like um, maybe like an old sweeping Hollywood composer, like the one that did Gone with the Wind or maybe like oh, Max a, um, Steiner. Yeah. Or like a, like a Danny Elfman when he did Beetlejuice mm-hmm. or Edward Scissorhands yeah. or like mm-hmm. um, Rogers and Hammerstein. So my life could like literally be like a musical where we like frequently just burst into song and dance. <laughs> what musicals yeah. did they do? I, I don't. I'm not familiar. Wait, Rogers Hammerstein. Yeah. Is that a serious question? Sound yep. of music. I'm not a, nope. I'm, I'm not a music. Nope. I never seen it. Not a musical person. So it is serious. Uh, sound question. of music. Oklahoma, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a whole bunch <laughs> of others. They, they are like like the OGs of of musical okay, theater. Okay. So if you know a musical, they probably did it. Um, okay. So I'll I'll go. First name I thought of was Joe Hisaishi. Uh, who does all the Studio Ghibli music? Oh, but yeah, I thought yeah. that'd be a little too—I don't know. Your life I, I, is a, a tragedy. Too, uh, <laughs> well, no, I thought it'd be a little too like, uh, yeah. So I was like, okay, who, let, let's be a little bit more realistic. So I'm gonna go with Johan Johansson, who unfortunately very recently passed away, mm-hmm. but he did the soundtrack to 
two soundtracks I absolutely adore. One is for Sicario. Mm. Okay, so your life is a thriller. Uh, but on the other hand, he also did Arrival, which has this very oh, yeah, moving, uh, just soulful soundtrack. Yeah. So it's like he has a very good range, and and I would just pick him because I think he can just do anything. So and you know, life life's up and down. It's like. If like Joe Hisaishi did it, everything would be like magical and you kind of know what you're going to get. But I think with Johan Johansson, it's out there. And unfortunately, as I said, he passed away, so he's not going to be able to do anything new. But he's amazing and I would love if he soundtracked my life. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, uh, moving down this list. I mean, obviously, um, you know, in, this time in a week, actually, no, um, we probably won't know, but we'll be very, it'll be like in the middle of election night. This time a week from now, because we're recording on a Tuesday night. So, and since it's like you know very close by, and I'm not sure if we're going to do another episode before it comes out. Any thoughts on this momentous edge of cliff moment in history? <laughs> or how about this? What were you guys doing on uh, election night four years ago? I remember I was sitting in the basement. Weirdly, um, I feel like I was arranging the bookshelves down there, and then. I also had like election night coverage turned on on CNN. And when Trump won Florida is when I just turned it off. And I was like, I'm pretty sure Trump oh, is man. the next president. And then when I woke <laughs> up the next morning. Do you remember what morning, time that was? No. It was early it was like in the seven, night, though. It was like between 7 and 8, I recall. Yeah, it was early. It was, wow, early. It was that early? It was really yeah. early. Because I remember, because when you were saying like, you know, a week from now, we will be in the middle. I'm like, a week from now, we'll probably know Florida's results, which will give you a pretty good sense of what's going to happen. Yeah. So. Yeah. Once, once he took Florida last time, that's when I turned it off. And then when I woke up the next morning, I think I woke up probably. I woke up pretty early. I woke up at like six or seven, and then I opened up Twitter, and I'll you know just it's an explosion of uh oh shit just too much yep. content. You know my scroll my my I don't think that my feed has ever moved moved faster than that morning. <laughs> Christ, man. I didn't even have Twitter back then. Neither did I, yeah. <laughs> but it would have been the craziest it would have been the craziest day of all time on Twitter. Did it move faster <laughs> than when Trump got COVID like a few yeah, weeks ago? Yeah, I think so. Because that was really that was like I was like shocked by how that much was, shit was fast going on. too. But like I've never seen well, I mean at yeah, the time because it's two. 2016, no, that was the fastest I've ever seen it move. So like maybe if we did compare it to now because more people are on Twitter, maybe mm -hmm. when he got COVID, it did move faster. But like in 2016, that was the fastest I'd ever seen Twitter move. And I'd been on Twitter since 2008. Damn. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't have that old account, though. That old account was deleted because it got hacked. And then the account that I have now for Aesthetic Distance, I've had that one since 2015. What, what about you, Philip? Like, what were people doing in, in Toronto? I was actually, I was actually weirdly in the States at the time. I was actually in, um, in New Haven, Connecticut, like on, on Yale campus working on my, uh, on my company. And uh, I actually recall that moment you described, Liza, when he won Florida, mm -hmm. because a, a friend of mine who's like, you know, a bleeding heart liberal, like Hillary, um, super fan, mm -hmm. she like, t like left the room. She didn't turn the TV off because a bunch of us were watching it. Uh -huh. She just like left the room and locked herself in her bedroom. <laughs> um, and we did not see her till the next morning. And the next day, she was just crying the whole time. She was wearing sunglasses, I recall. <laughs> Uh, cause she was just crying the entire day. So, and for me, like that Damn. was, that was like, 
you know, I, I mentioned in our election episode that like I was kind of getting into politics because like Bernie got me all excited, but mm-hmm. then Bernie didn't make it. And I was like, kind of like, mm, whatever, America. But uh, <laughs> whatever, America. yeah, I know. I mean, that's the, that's the thing, because this is, this is weird. Right? Like, Chris, I mean, you care more, Chris, because you live in the States. But like as Canadians, we always have this kind of opt out right option of just not caring. But mm-hmm. I would say that from that that night on, like my how much I cared just escalated more and more and more until you know, plan A was formed and like this now, right? So that that was uh, probably a pivotal moment in my radicalization or whatever the fuck you want to call it. But that night, I just recall my my friend like going through trauma. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that night I, I watched at my friend's uh, like cousin's place. I even brought a bottle of champagne. I was that dipshit. <laughs> The thing is, when Trump lost Florida, I don't I don't remember being that shaken by because I'm like, OK, like he has to win Florida, whereas Hillary had other options. I think it was more like around 10 ish. I don't know what it was. I think it was the fact that maybe she had just lost Ohio or like Virginia was weirdly closer than it should have been. And mm-hmm. then I was following Reddit at the time. And somebody was like, oh, shit. Uh, the upshot on New York Times just uh, had Trump over 50%. And that's when it felt like, oh, shit, this is over. Mm-hmm. And I remember I just like, I just stormed out of that place. I, I didn't say goodbye to anyone. I'm just like, oh, fuck this. And I, I just left. Do you remember that New York Times like web, web article that had that like that widget that had that little like needle that was like. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. The, oh, okay, the upshot. Okay. That was that was the thing. Got it. People I mean, in, in hindsight, that. it's pretty funny. <laughs> it is. How upset everybody was. I remember going to sleep and hoping I'd wake up and maybe some miracle had happened. Because I think there was like some completely unrealistic chance that she would like make up some like seven point deficit in Michigan at the last minute or something. But uh, yeah, I remember waking up and be like, oh shit, last night really happened. Damn. (laughs) Remind me, was it decided that night or was it decided the next day? Um, No, it definitely was not decided the day of because John Podesta infamously went up instead of Hillary Clinton and said like, oh, you know, everybody go home. Uh, You know, they were at the Javits Center, Mm -hmm. which is a place in New York City. And then um, I I did think she conceded the next day. So it wasn't really drawn out like, you know, Gore Bush 2000. But it definitely was not decided before midnight. It's just exhausting. Like, you know, like it feels like it feels like this election has been going on for like four years. Well, see, that's the thing, because I'm sure, uh, you know, after, uh, you know, after people collected themselves, like Philip, your friend, you know, after she, you know, dried her eyes and everything, they're probably like four years. We're going to be like so amped up. We're going to vote this motherfucker out of office. But I mean, a, a lot of extenuating circumstances, especially the coronavirus, but it just seems like such an afterthought right now, doesn't it? That nobody's really paying attention. Nobody's even that excited or uh, like scared that what the outcome will be. People just seem to be like, whatever. Doesn't really seem to be much of a difference. And I think it's perfectly <laughs> encapsulated by that god awful Kamala Harris interview on 60 Minutes. Have you seen that? I no, saw what clips. Happened? So there's this part where like she's just getting questioned about what basically like okay you were once for medicare for all you're still for it and then she just laughs awkwardly and essentially comes off like a diversity consultant where she's like i'm gonna share with president biden my lived experiences as like a black woman a child of immigrants like i would have turned the the tv off right then (laughs) 
what, what do you think that means? Do you, mean, you think that means that she's just given up on any hope of progressive politics and she's just... No, it means that she's never believed in the first place. Okay. No, that, that's the thing. Like, okay, it'd be one thing if she gave him up, but it's pretty clear she never believed in it in the first place. She just hopped on the Medicare for All bandwagon in that time when, you know, like the Democratic insiders were somewhat, you know, they were like, oh, maybe, maybe this like... Green New Deal wing of of the party's ascendant, uh, but then they're like, nah, fuck them. And then in the end, they they won everything, you know, because they got Biden Harris on the ticket. But you know, when it was not that certain, she was all Medicare for all, whatever, all that. But then now, yeah, great. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun fun uh, night next week. Yeah, are you guys actually gonna watch it? I yeah. don't I don't know if I'm gonna watch it. I might just be like watching a movie Why? and just just checking it on my phone maybe texting you guys hey what's going on what does it mean that you like i mean as someone who's so politically engaged like what does it mean that you would just check out on like the biggest night right that has four years of anticipation behind it are you just tired of it or is it too scary or like what is it that would make you want to skip it no it's more like either way it seems like a bad outcome Uh on one hand you got trump obviously terrible outcome Mm -hmm. on the other hand you got biden mr i'm gonna put uh, John Kasich and Meg Whitman in my cabinet. <laughs> Joe Biden, nothing will fundamentally change. Yeah, e- no, even worse, it will. The bar will have been so lowered because of Trump that it's like anybody who's not a Donald Trump or maybe like a Josh Hawley or Tom Cotton will be welcomed as a Democrat. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like, yeah, now now we're back. Like now, now it looks like Al Gore, uh, circa two thousand, is is Ralph Nader. That's that's how it's gonna look. Mm-hmm. And this is supposed to be our supreme victory. Be like, yeah, I'm checked out. <laughs> it's. I think it's funny. I do. I think the whole thing is, is funny, funny now. Which, which I think explains. Okay, so I didn't watch Borat two, but I did watch Borat one. Uh, just like uh, like last weekend, and Borat I think Borat two has gotten pretty good reviews. Well, yeah, I think Borat two has gotten kind of good reviews, but you know, obviously, it has not like Borat one was a cultural just yeah you know mm-hmm. firebomb like mm-hmm. everybody was talking about it the fundamental problem is nobody is funnier than donald trump <laughs> no comedian can beat donald trump and and the thing about donald trump is he's 100 percent genuine so you cannot beat <laughs> the real thing at his own game that's right like no matter how crazy Bora gets donald trump's crazier <laughs> so did, like, did i already ask this question about like what the fuck are these late night hosts going to do like it's i don't even remember what late night shows were like before trump right Whereas now, like, you know, Colbert show and like, you know, the Seth, uh, Seth Meyers show, it's all just like, they just read the news and it's kind of funny and crazy. And Whereas all before, they have to that, do is they, read the news. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas before they, they had to try and like actually write jokes and shit and not just put in stupid puns, right? Like, well, a, a lot of people would argue that Jay Leno, that's what all he used to do. He would just read like headlines, be like, oh, you know, Bill Clinton had another affair. <laughs> but that was bad. Uh, you know, people all, all made fun of Leno for doing that. I think that now the problem is not only do they do that, but they're so like, they have that sanctimonious, uh, like Boy Scout uh, self-righteousness, mm-hmm. which is just poison for comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all very one-sided. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, things will be interesting. Like, this is why it's a big deal, right? Because, like, the world is going to change completely. That's why we're not recording a regular episode because, like, it seems almost pointless given how much shit's going to change on Tuesday. Um, or, uh, or maybe not change. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe not change, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't know. I think the, I think all the uh, the early voting and the, the mailing, like, the record mailing ballots is just uh, a positive sign for Biden probably because people are so – I think people were whipped up after 2016 and they're like, we're going to vote this motherfucker out like you said and they finally have a chance to do it. 
So all that's coming. I, I think Biden's going to win. This is my my prediction. I think he's going to win possibly by a landslide. And I think they might take the House and the Senate as well because of how much of a fuck up Trump is. But that also means that I am admitting to having some kind of um, faith in America. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my big fear is that, you know, Biden wins and then everyone just breathes like this collective sigh of relief, yep. you know? And then gives up, gives up on everything. Yeah, that's true. And then all the all the uh, horrible things that happened behind our backs between like 2008 and 2016, they just do it again. You know, they start more wars mm-hmm. and they they drone strike more civilians and they uh, they uh, they decide to Sub- put like subsidize the, more coal and all that shit. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah, they destroy the environment even more. Um, they put more burden on the backs of like everyday people, and and we don't pay attention because it's like, oh yay, Trump is gone. Yeah. Problem solved. That's yep. my big mm-hmm. fear. So there's no, there is no like, I am not optimistic about either either outcome. It's all yeah. it's all yeah. bad to me. I, I guess that was Chris's answer to like why why would you just because it's just like it's it's all both both sovereigns are not great you know so yeah someone someone uh, on on leftist Twitter was like how amped would, they, would we all be right now if like Bernie was on the ticket and I was like totally fucking amped I'd be so excited for oh you totally guys in the excited States. I would have voted already right? yeah I would have gone out yesterday yeah. Yeah. and like been one of those idiots standing in the rain voting <laughs> in in a state that is gonna go blue anyway yeah yeah. <laughs> There was like this uh, cover on Newsweek that was that had like Xi Jinping in in some kind of hoodie as some kind of like I guess Mark Zuckerberg like character from the Social Network saying like oh, you know China's bending in our election. And I just thought if Biden loses, I wonder what um, what explanation will tie China with black cishet men with white brochurists, uh, some kind of conspiracy to to bring down the good the good people behind the biden harris campaign is that the new narrative that they're trying to cook up is that like instead uh, of a russian knows, right? instead of like a russian interference it's going to be a chinese interference definitely i mean I, I think russia will always be in the picture i even heard iran uh thrown thrown out in there because why the hell not um so you know who knows what the excuse will be this time if if uh, biden loses good times to be had for all yeah Okay, anyway, we were talking about fear, so why don't we move <laughs> on to horror movies uh, that we wanted to talk about, just, uh, you know, just things we like. Uh, and Liza, you posed a question to your followers on Instagram, yeah. uh, what movie best describes mm-hmm. 2020. Why don't we start off with that? I'm actually curious what some of the what some of the best responses were to that question. Yesterday, I posted a poll in my Instagram stories, and I asked if 2020 was a horror movie. And about 290 people voted, and the outcome was 91% said yes, it was. And then I posted the <laughs> question, what movie best sums up 2020? And I got, oh, I think I got like 20 plus replies. And you know, I'll, read the, I'll read the best ones. Um, I got Snowpiercer, mm. which I actually think that the host is, if we're going to go like Bong Joon-ho, I think the host is more... Mm. Um, of a summary of 2020, but okay, yeah, we'll, we'll take it. Snowpiercer. Um, I mean, uh, um, you know, the host certainly has that like public panic element that Snowpiercer doesn't. Because Snowpiercer, it's already after the fact. Mm-hmm. 
of a disaster, whereas we're right now living in the middle of one. So yeah, I see your point here. Um, I got the invitation. Uh, everyone got invited to a dinner party, murder feast, unawares. Oh, the irony. That was another reply. Wait, what is the invitation? What? The invitation is a movie that I never saw, but um, I did see Ready or Not, so I'm not sure if it has the same premise. You get invited to like a fancy dinner party. Okay, so in Ready or Not, <clears throat> you get invited to a fancy dinner party. It's it's actually a wedding party, and the goal is to you know someone gets chosen, and it's the bride, the newcomer to the family, and she has to mm -hmm. survive the night. And everyone's going to be running after her, trying to kill her. This is like huh. battle royale, but like more intimate. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that the invitation has like a similar premise. It, it's the only movie of all the replies that I hadn't seen yet. Uh, all right, what I got there? what's a what's another? This is uh, the end and Wally. -E. Wall -E. I can see both. <laughs> this is the end is the one with um, James Franco and Jonah Hill. Yeah, it was and, a comedy, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, like everybody's in it. It's like Jonah Hill, uh, Seth Rogen, James Franco. Oh yeah, I saw that in theaters. Yeah, Randy a McBride, Demon Dick in it. Yeah, that was really good. Channing and, Tatum. And the best is, Michael Sarah plays like a deranged version of himself, <laughs> which I thought was fucking fantastic. Um, so, so you know, somewhat self aware. Yeah. It was really good, yeah. Uh, yeah no. <laughs> Wally was a reply. All the anti-consumerist okay. and um, climate catastrophe themes. Okay, I can see that. Um, I don't know if we're flitting around in like, you know, flying chairs because we're all fat now, but like we're getting there, I suppose. We're at home sitting in front of Zoom. Uh, so, somebody yeah. said 2012. That's uh, Was that a Roland Emmerich movie? Yes, it was. He did all those. Uh, he did like um, yeah. The Day After Tomorrow too. They all mm -hmm. get mixed up in my head, but 2012 is the one with John Cusack, right? Yeah, and the day after tomorrow is the one with uh, Dennis Quaid and, and Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal is a high school student, so like that was a really long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, I got antiviral, the one where celebrity obsession is the virus. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, at least 10 people wrote in contagion, so that was a really popular mm -hmm. answer. So contagion, yeah. but worse. I think that at this point, <laughs> contagion would have been the best case scenario. <laughs> Like what? Like in the movie Contagion, remember like the government was like passing out food, and like by day one seventy seven or something of the of the of like lockdown, there was already a vaccine, and they were doing it by lottery. Like they would call out like your birthday or something, or like some numbers in your social security, and then like people would come to your house and um, they would administer the vaccine, and then you'd get like a wristband so you can go out in public again. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Meanwhile, like I haven't left my house since like March 11th, so contagion <laughs> yeah. would have been like a best case scenario. Also, like now, if they were to like you know read out random numbers to to get people vaccinated, I guess two in five people, forty percent of people, said they would not take the vaccine because oh, they don't trust God. the fucking government. So the the real world is much more complicated than this fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. The so it, funny because contagion. So the day that they shut down the schools. Um, mm -hmm. and my kids were home from school with the whole family sat and watched contagion <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, it was like the number one movie on iTunes for a few weeks. <laughs> it's so, mm -hmm. it's, isn't it amazing how people just like kind of jump to the most like obvious thing when big events happen? Like somehow everybody stopped drinking Corona, um, you know, the beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, what, what is, I don't understand. Like th these things that just seem so, I don't know. A little bit too straightforward. 
you know, given how complex the situation is. But anyway, uh, I got two replies for the purge, and for that one, I think let's hope not. Awesome. I so mean, two people you, replied with the purge, and one person said that twenty twenty one is the purge. <laughs> like yeah, contagion is twenty twenty, right? and twenty twenty one is the purge. Yeah. Um, did, did you guys see those tweets of like videos of uh, people driving around around during the lockdown, like playing yes. the sirens from the purge? That was. <laughs> Yeah. We're almost there. Well, why don't we talk about horror movies that we've seen recently? Because I recently finally got around to seeing The Vanishing, which is a Dutch movie from the 80s, also known as Sporloose, which is a very not scary sounding word. But I had heard of this movie because if you ever go on like, well, what's the scariest ending? To, okay, spoiler alert. Um, scare, uh, scariest ending to a movie. I saw this movie pop up a lot. So I, I knew of this movie a lot. So I finally got around to watching it. This movie's not scary at all. Uh, Liza, you said you've seen it, right? Mm -hmm. Did you think it was scary? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I, I get scared. Maybe I, already... I get scared easily. Wait, but did you know the ending? No, I didn't know the ending. Okay. But I'm trying to think even... Okay, so in case listeners um, want to know, if you don't want to know, just skip ahead like the next a minute or so. Like, but Skip ahead uh, like the whole... We're talking about nothing but horror movies for the rest of the episode. It's going to be a whole so, bunch so of spoilers. Yeah. So, okay. The, the gist of the movie is the main character, his girl, uh, wife or girlfriend, uh, goes missing. He tries to find her and then he eventually finds her her abductor. And then and the abductor gives him this choice. We're like, oh, you can like drink this coffee and you'll find out what happened to her. He drinks it and he wakes up buried alive in a coffin. And that's the twist ending that people are freaked out by. And oh, okay. I don't, the movie, though, is, is it's, I guess it's more of maybe like a psychological horror. I was very because, bothered by it. Yeah, because like the, the bad guy is very just like normal. He's a chemistry teacher, which is why he's able to like concoct all these like chloroform things that he uses to try to like, um, you know, abduct women and stuff. But he, he's, he's very much kind of like, uh, I guess kind of like Raskolnikov in Crime and Punishment, where he's like, am I, can I like commit a heinous crime and and be okay with it so yeah he is a chilling individual but the way the movie is, is just made maybe it's the age maybe it's like a dutch style but it was like well, it was interesting what's the movie but you think is scary, scary then things i don't get scared very easily in movies and i'm not saying that to boast it's just uh i get scared playing computer games like <laughs> scary computer games oh my god oh man thief the dark project system shock 2 amnesia big big sequel just came out a week ago you should check that out Oh yeah, um, like and these are like old old games. So I don't even want to think about like photorealistic type of type of games. Okay, so you're telling me that like uh, jump scares don't like in movies or video games don't scare you? Well, video games, yeah, but not not really in movies. Okay. But I will say the movie that did scare me just like just made my skin crawl was the American remake of The Ring, which I think is oh really? I think could be up there as the best American remake of any uh, movie of all time because it is so good. And I think it's actually way better than the Japanese version, Ringu. I agree with you. And really? like that's saying a lot because Hiroyuki is in the original. Oh, really? Uh, it was a long time ago. I guess I didn't even know who he was. But yeah, the ring just freaked the hell out of me. But that just was so disturbing on a lot of levels. Um, now, and is it, had it because scares, you saw it when you were very young? No, I saw a lot of like horror movies when I was young. I saw like The Exorcist when I was young. And I was like, this movie is just kind of gross than scary. Did you but, see The Grudge? I've never seen The Grudge. No. Okay. You know that there's a 2020 version with John Cho that I think just came out? Yeah. I, I don't think it was good though, right? No, I didn't hear much buzz about that. But but the yeah. original Grudge was great. It was, I mean, The Grudge and Ringu are like the two 
you know, quintessential Japanese horror movies that like made its way out west, either as like a, a cult hit that's played in indie theaters or remade, right? Given the American treatment, so yeah, yeah. I would say like the three movies that have scared me: The Ring, the original Alien, and Carrie. And Carrie wasn't so much scary as it was just like the mother just really disturbed me because <laughs> she was so batshit insane. <laughs> Um, but yeah, those those are the three. I think the only ones that have come close to scaring me. The original alien. So brave. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that that's a fucking just disturbing mm-hmm. movie. Interesting. I actually don't know. I think I've I've seen Aliens. I don't know if I've seen Alien. I've seen one, uh, two, and three, but I like two the best. Now two. Okay, so two wouldn't be good if Ridley Scott didn't set up and create that like create that spooky looking world. You know. Because the um, the set design is just so good, and it's just so that alone, it's just scary just looking at it. And then, um, well, I guess Ridley Scott didn't have everything to do with it; the artist did it. And then James Cameron just uh, picked up the pacing and made it into much more of like a, you know, like a. It's Sci-fi got a lot action more action. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, like in the newer. But then Rizzy Scott had to destroy his own work with like Alien Covenant, which we should just like wipe off the face <laughs> so of the earth. So bad, but you know what? I Alien Three. I think Chris, you and I are like the only people that don't think that that movie's that bad. Alien Three. Yeah, I just like Alien Three because it's so just. David creepy. Fincher did it. Yeah. I I don't think it's that bad as everybody says it is. I'm like, have you guys seen like Alien Covenant? Like that's worse. <laughs> it's way worse. Even Alien Resurrection, I will defend. <laughs> I never saw that one. Co- Covenant goes the route of like less kind of like sci-fi horror, more like sci-fi kind of like world building. Like there's a lot of like, uh, you know, kind of world expansion, like new new like new um, uh, aliens. I don't mean like the xenomorphs, but like new types of like creatures that come into the universe that actually has a lot of people online like super enthralled. Like there's a big cult following. Around how that's expanded. Wait, really? Yeah, Behind yeah, that yeah, movie? yeah. Um, but the movie itself, like, I mean, if you compare it to the original, I guess I've seen the original, but like, certainly Aliens, um, you know, it is not as well built a movie for the genre. But it, it it got into that world of like, you know, expanding on a mythos, right? Um, which I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of like big mythos, uh, like horror films and horror games and, and whatnot. Uh-huh. You know. Okay, uh, uh, Philip, you watched some some movies. Yeah, I I just just uh, in the last I guess month I watched a, a few things. Um, I watched Alive hashtag Alive, <laughs> that South Korean um, action comedy. Um, I forgot the name of the actor, but he was also in Burning, the main guy in Burning. Um, which was oh, is it Yuain? I think so. Yeah, um, like the main character from yeah, Burning. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He's the main character okay. in, in Alive. Um, that movie was all right. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of like an action horror, a little bit of comedy in there. It, you know, it's it's a zombie movie. It, it jumps right into the premise, um, which I appreciated, but it doesn't do a whole lot of new stuff with the premise. Um, so it was all right, but it's on Netflix. It was easy to, to pick up and, and, and check out. Um, Why is there a hashtag in the title? Because it's because it's about like what would what would surviving a zombie apocalypse or situation be like in today's world of like having the Internet and social media and stuff. I see. Uh, a little bit. It's it gets like into that a little the bit. K, like the Korean zombie movies are like a genre now like k-zombie i guess yeah yeah <laughs> like how there was j-horror like ring and the grudge and then mm-hmm. um now there's like all these korean zombie movies after train to busan mm-hmm. yeah actually speaking of train to busan if i had to pick a movie that i thought uh aptly represented 2020 i would have picked 
train to Busan just mainly because it shows like society disintegrating, you know, the young mm-hmm. and the old like turning on each other, the people factions. like sacrificing yeah. each other <laughs> and things like that. It's like that's yeah, that's what uh, reminded me mm-hmm. of like twenty twenty people like thinking, oh, you know what, like uh, three hundred thousand deaths is, is mostly the is mostly the old, you know, <laughs> they were gonna die anyway, you know, that kind of attitude is is essentially. Uh, reflected in, in train to Pusan. yeah i'm mm-hmm. surprised that nobody chose that one yeah yeah um i also saw hereditary uh from mm-hmm. i have not seen that i, I think I it's like queued up one. in one of yeah yes in one that of one my, is really uh, scary so i watched baba duke which i think was around the same time because people were like hey this is like you know like at some point it felt like the horror genre was kind of dying but like baba duke and hereditary kind of revived it in more recent memory are they both a24 uh, I don't know. I don't know if either of them are. I'm sure Hereditary is because that's Ari Aster's it movie. Is. Oh, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Baba Duke. I'm not sure. I'll just look it up. Yeah. And his Hereditary, I thought was way, way fucking scarier than her- and Baba Duke. Baba Duke was like almost a little bit comical um, in some ways, uh, just because of the ways they they center some of the horror around like children, right? Mm-hmm. You know those like tropes in horror movies, like the scary little girl with the long hair and like yeah, you know, scary yeah. children's drawings and shit like that. Like Baba Duke did that okay, but Hereditary, I think did that way better but hereditary the, the main horror essence of it that i really appreciated was what i was saying about like no spoilers please i i, I want to see it and, oh okay i'll try to i try to there's there's a bit of a occult premise that gets kind of revealed over time that that was quite good um like there's a lot of kind of world building without giving a lot away so you, you'll see what i mean when you watch it um but the bigger thing and you might appreciate this chris is that like there actually aren't a lot of like traditional jump scares in it that you might find in like a really scary movie that like puts you on edge. They do some interesting tricks with the camera, which you'll see when you watch it um, to like imbue fear into you <laughs> and anticipation mm-hmm. that I thought was excellent. And I have not seen that in a movie before. Um, and it also actually made me think like, because it didn't have all these, like there's some jump scares, but it didn't have as many as like some other movies in the genre. It made me think of this game, which you might like Chris called Darkwood. Um, okay. which I've never I've, actually no that's not true I played it I played it at a, a Pin Arcade Expo a, a video game conference like a couple of years ago um, and just a demo it was really really freaky but that game uh, prides itself on being a horror game with no jump scares there's like apparently there's like one or two jump scares in it but all of it is just psychological like story building horror um so i thought that was interesting too i and, and like i got really into it like i was at one point just like watching all these like streamers play darkwood even though i never really played it myself aside from the demo so it's pretty cool um and then the last movie uh horror movie i've seen recently was p mac uh which is a a thai uh comedy horror um i found this um accented cinema uh review of just like thai thai horror and how thai horror is underrated uh, just to see what was what was good to watch uh, out there, and it recommended this amongst uh, a few other movies. PMAC was all right. It was, it, you know, it is a bit freaky in some parts. It's a, it's pretty funny in some parts, but it dragged on for a bit too long. Um, but if you want to see like what kind of uh, Asian horrors going on outside of just like Japan and Korea, like that's a good one to check out. Um, and and also just check out the the Accented Cinema video on uh, underrated Thai cinema because there seems like there's some really good gems in there. Yeah. So. I don't think Babadook was 824 and I just looked up uh Darkwood. This is giving me like Silent Hill vibes and like Silent Hill was like a game I just like didn't even want to play. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> I played Silent uh, Hill the original as a kid like in a in a completely dark room when I was like oh, I don't know, 11 That's and like that definitely freaked me out but I would say Darkwood appears to be very different so okay. give it a shot. 
Yeah. How about you, Eliza? What have you been watching? I know you've been watching like a bajillion horror films, like, yeah, twi- like two a day at least. I, yeah, I have been like just marathoning everything from <laughs> the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Like I'll be honest, I avoided – I'm kind of new to the horror genre because I avoided horror for so long because I hate postmodern horror. Like I hate gore and I hate like – I don't like it when I can see the person being killed on screen. So if you That's watch like these, modern horror, I th- I wouldn't have thought postmodern horror was like well, the special effects horror. got better. <laughs> I okay, if you think okay. about all these movies that were made in like the sixties, seventies, and eighties, like you know when you don't have any money, you make a horror movie or you make a love story. Yeah, like nowadays, like psych- horror, psycho famously uh, using chocolate milk for the blood in the shower scene, yeah, like shit like that. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. also a lot of times, like when you see someone gets ki- get killed, you don't actually see the killing. So you'll see like you'll see like the knife in the in the light, you know, and then you'll right, see right, the hand right. go down, and then you'll see the blood splatter on like the wall. But you don't, and then like you'll you'll hear like the thud of the body, or you'll see like maybe their arm or their leg covered in like fake blood. Yeah, but you don't actually see like the you know the act, mm-hmm. and I'm very thankful for that. So I can watch like I'm not scared to watch horror movies from from that era, like 60s, 70s, and 80s. I am like deathly afraid to watch horror in like the anything past the 90s. So like even watching like Hereditary or like The Conjuring, like I just can't. It's it's already it it's like, almost too like much gore? for me. I don't like, like gore. Just, I hate it. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I hate that's it. Fair. I can't even watch like the Evil Dead movies very well. Oh, those and are that, like those are comedy horror. Those are like you know it's comical. It's, I can it's I appreciate them, but I can barely I, I can <laughs> barely handle them. Um, okay. But, but so one of the things that I was really interested in with just this whole this marathon that's been going on for like the past month or two is how left-leaning so many of these early horror movies are compared with like their remakes today. You know, like if you think about like Black Christmas of 1974, a very pro-abortion slasher where the final girl is not a virgin when the movie ends. And like, that's so radical for 1974. But if you watch like the remake of Black Christmas now, it's total garbage or... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um do they make it all about like the protagonist virginity uh, in in black christmas no yeah, the new Mm-mm. one oh, oh okay. in the new one no it just it's just the double down on the gore and no message oh, i see but like so even though a lot of these movies these old movies just wouldn't pass the political correctness test of today um, mm-hmm. they're still like super left-leaning and like just tons of social and political commentary so you know, where the I think that just the the era that they were coming they were just coming out of, like the Hayes moral code in Hollywood was dropped, which meant that like you could finally show like um you could finally explore a lot of themes that you were not allowed to explore before. Can you and tell s- listeners like what that code was? Because I think yeah, you talked to so, us about it. So in the code you're not allowed to criticize the clergy. There is no interracial mingling of people like no um no interracial relationships wow no okay. sex um no nudity no cursing um i think like the worst thing that you could possibly have said before that code was dropped was like damn um, okay and this code was like from the you couldn't even say like, you couldn't even say like god damn it or something like that 
Yeah. Um, when did this get you, dropped? Like the 60s, 70s? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the 60s okay. when it finally okay. dropped. And after that, it was like a whole new world. Uh, you know, counter, counterculture was was like really catching on. There was a lot of anti-Vietnam War sentiment. Oh, that was another thing. Like you couldn't criticize the government. You couldn't criticize mm. Christian religions. You, you just could not do that uh, before the, the Hayes Code was dropped. But there was a lot of suspicion of the government because it was post-Watergate and like the country was in the middle of a recession. They just had a president um, assassinated and a lot of civil rights leaders were assassinated in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then came the Reagan era, which was also great for the horror genre. But like, I don't know. It's it's a lot. It's like seeing a different world in these old movies. Um, I, I compare horror to like YA because it's not they're not prestigious genres, so they have a lot of freedom to to explore topics that might not be popular or to go all the way with it would be controversial. You know. You know, like horror already has written into it the theme of barbarism. And I think that that's the reason why horror and politics go hand in hand so well. Like at the root of politics is barbarism too. So, yeah. And horror also often uh, has teenage protagonists. Yeah. So some of the most notable ones I watched are The Thing from 1982. Mm-hmm. And I would say that everything that John Carpenter did from that era is spectacular and amazing. Like from the original Halloween in 1976 to they live in 1985. He is just like, he is just leftist as fuck, you know? That um, is a massively influential movie for video games too. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know, Chris, if you ever played, um, uh, what's it called? Dead Space. Holy fuck. <laughs> I've heard of it. Oh my I god! Mean, it's, it's like it's, alien. It's, it's action uh, horror. Yeah. It's one of the best um, horror games I've played. Period. So anyway, didn't mean to interrupt, Liza. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, I, I, other notable movie, also uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. I don't know if you guys have seen this one, but wait, that's John Carpenter? No, it's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, no, it's Toby Hooper. But a lot of people don't see this movie. They don't see it as about a class war, I don't think. Like, it's about a group of hippies that goes for a road trip and they end up getting massacred by a family of cannibals in rural Texas. And the reason it's a class war movie is because the family of cannibals was once a proud, wealthy family who all worked at the local slaughterhouse. And then, like, capitalism and industrial meat production just ruined their way of life and stripped them of their livelihood. And if you see the movie, a lot of the a lot of the murders the are are just so similar to how an animal is um, inhumanely slaughtered for meat. And then there's also like the post Vietnam War um, sentiment because this family now cannibals. Um, you know, once they this is these are like the people that history and politicians and and voters have forgotten. It's like the rural have nots, and they get their revenge on the privileged free-loving, um, oblivious hippies of the nation. Okay, I gotta, I gotta ask, like, was this connection, this, like, sim- symbolism, right, uh, imagery, like, was this imbued on the movie 
by critics and fans after the movie came out? Or was that actually the stated intent of the writer, director, producers, et cetera? Stated intent. And I think that when the movie came out, it was obvious to the people of that era, like the context. And I think that when people watch it now, I think that they just see like a slasher movie, you know, like (laughs) Leatherface and the Chainsaw. And I don't think that they see it as like a class war movie or all the other all the other social commentary that's um, that's in it. I watched um, um, Signs of the Lambs recently, and I was watching this review of it, and they said that the Buffalo Bill in Signs of the Lambs was based on a ma- mishmash of three serial killers, one of whom Ed was Gain. the in- yeah inspiration for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What yeah, Ed, Gain's, Ed Gain was that Gain's actually a Texas like a chainsaw? Did he kill people with chainsaws? Is that what happened? I don't think so. I think it was just like when the when the police raided his house. I think that the way that he killed his victims and like just the amount of um, just the decomposing like just just, uh, just body parts and like just bodies yeah. everywhere. You know, I think that I think that when Ed Gain was caught, I, I think that like they'd never seen anything like that before. They'd never caught a serial killer like that before. Yeah. And now the chainsaw is like, you know, emblazoned in our in our minds as this like horrific killing machine. Like I don't think that the there was a before, chainsaw right? involved, but I'm not sure. I don't think so though. But the movie the the movie definitely made that, you know, tool into an iconic weapon. The right? wearing like you, the wearing of the victims like faces and their skin, that was definitely something that Ed Gain did. Yeah. Okay. So like Leatherface did it, Hannibal Lecter did it. You yeah. know, Buffalo Bill would be, was making like that skin suit out of his women mm-hmm. victims. Mm-hmm. Ed Gain did that. If you think about it, though, like a chainsaw wouldn't be the worst weapon to die by just because it's it's probably very uh, efficient. At, at it depends like, I mean, on what it's, it's cutting like- off. Like what if it's cutting <laughs> off like your hand and you have to bleed out slowly? Yeah, sure, but I would rather get my hand cut by a chainsaw than like a rusty like sword that might not even be able to because like a chainsaw is gonna go like and it's gonna cut it right off. Yeah, if it goes Uh, for your neck. No, but I'm saying okay. um, Let's say all else being equal, if you're getting like a limb cut off, (laughs) what would you rather get it cut off by? Your head. Your choice being like your head. No, 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 no. But you, you you don't get to choose that. You like it's the same thing that's getting cut off. Oh God. Um. So like a chainsaw. No, a chainsaw would be fucking chunky. A butcher's knife or a cleaver or but it's so powerful. It can cut through like wood like it's butter. So I'm sure your limb won't stand a chance. I imagine a very uh, as opposed a very sharp sword or axe would be better because it would just come clean off and you wouldn't have to feel like the thing gnawing into your your muscles, right? As as your your I feel like a chainsaw is a terrible way to die. Yeah, it sounds awful. Which is, but I think I think it's the noise that would freak you out. But it's way more powerful than say an axe, uh, because I would totally rather f- be an axe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I, w- I think I would go with the with the chainsaw actually. <laughs> I think it'd be much cleaner. Well, like for me, not for the people around me. I'm sure blood will be everywhere. Who would write but, your uh, soundtrack? Which actor would play you? And how would you die in your biopic? <laughs> that's the that's the question. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, another movie that I actually have seen a long time ago, The Shining, from mm-hmm. 1980 by Kubrick. As a, I didn't realize it the first time that I saw it um, that it's an allegory for the American class wars that took place on top of Indian burial grounds, and it's actually about the horror that so much of American happiness and prosperity is built upon. 
And then there's like the class war within the hotel. Like the only way Jack can join that ruling class in the the grand ballroom Mm -hmm. is to sacrifice his own wife and son so he can become a ghost and uh, go into that picture. Yeah, The Shining has some like very disturbing moments. That like, remember when he's like kissing the woman in the bathtub, yeah, and then she turns yeah. into like, oh, that that is a very disturbing scene. Uh, but like, the movie's too much of like a slow burn to to really be scary. It it is like gripping, but uh, that's I, I one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really want to see that that documentary, like Room two thirty seven, two thirty seven. Yeah, um, it's been on my list for. Is it, a while. Is it about the making of? Right, yeah, I think it is. And, and, no, I think it's about various fan interpretations of the movie. I see. Yeah. yeah. I, in terms of a, a horror movie that's like slow psychological deterioration of the protagonist, I, I preferred Event Horizon. Um, oh, yeah, no, that no, actually, that's a good one. That's, yeah. uh, I saw that one. God, it's like my throat hurts still just thinking about it because of how gross it is. <laughs> yeah, it, but it, it walks that fine line between being absolutely disgusting but also not gratuitously so it's like it feels necessary to to show you just what a messed up like dimension they're going in but it's got some of like the worst images Uh, so the game dead space once again the dead space is basically the thing plus event horizon uh plus like sick action video game with scary parts event horizon is one of the movies i saw when i was younger and it completely turned me off to the horror genre because it was so gross (laughs) So, so I watched yeah. it when I was I young as well. And gross. It, that was the movie that turned me on to like, sl- like world building, like occult, you know, <laughs> um, uh, th- that, that genre of like, you know, having a, a larger world than what's shown to you. And that's why I liked um, Hereditary so much, right? Um, it's also why I like all the, the if, if people play uh, like the Dark Souls games, like those games are all built on like, showing you like little bits of the story through like item descriptions and like character dialogue and stuff. And that slowly builds up this like greater um, universe, which I think is fantastic when it's done right. So I really like Event Horizon. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in like, like, I don't know, 15 years or something. Cause it's also kind of scary. Yeah. Have you guys seen Night of the Living Dead from 68? The OG? No, I've seen the like clips yeah, of it just because it's so famous. Uh, but no, I have not seen that's the, the beginning of the movie. genre. Uh, sorry, the, the zombie genre, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers, although I do want, but I've already seen the ending on YouTube, so I feel like, um, the one maybe with the... Donald Sutherland, that one, yeah, that yeah, one. that one's yeah. good. I like that, yeah. That also has a ton um, of uh political commentary, yeah, yeah. It's like me in the 70s, mm-hmm. where like everything was about everything like, politics, was super right? political, yeah. I, I miss <laughs> yeah. that era. That's that's like the best mm-hmm. era of movies, yeah. I've seen Rosemary's Baby, not scary. I've seen The Omen, not scary. Those are my favorite um, ones, those are the kinds of horror I, movies I that I like. Baby. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that I think a lot of the horror movies that I like are not really scary, but they're entertaining because, like, mm-hmm. Omen, I own that one, Rosemary's Baby. All the ones that you guys are mentioning that actually are scary, I think I don't even have the stomach to watch or I, rewatch. I didn't find I didn't find Rosemary's Baby scary, but I I loved it for the same reason I described earlier, where like it alludes to this thing that you don't get to see, mm-hmm. right? It alludes to this, you know, the possession, the the demonic aspect of it, and so on. They 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 really don't explicitly show on the screen, right? Like I fucking love it when they can do that because it's about the director or the writer or the producer, whoever planting a seed in your head 
Roman right. Polanski. Just, There's this scene yes, in the movie right, in the towards right. the beginning when the husband goes into the bedroom to speak to the old guy and they make that deal and the door is kind of like halfway closed. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And like um I, I read this I read this um interview with Roman Polanski where he went to a screening of the movie and he kind of hid in the back of the theater and said that when that scene came on and you don't see the characters on screen, you just see like the smoke coming from the side of the door and the door is halfway closed. Everybody's head in the theater turned to the left. Like it tilted to the left as if they were trying to see around the corner. <laughs> as if like the, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much mm-hmm. what every movie wants yeah. to make you feel like yeah. that you're actually in it yeah. as yeah. opposed to watching I, a, a flat image. And uh, yeah. I, so like the opening scene of the original Scream, Wes Craven Scream with uh, Drew Barrymore um, mm-hmm. is very similar to the opening scene of When a Stranger Calls from, I think it's 1979 with Carol Kane, which is like, it's, it's, it's very much a play on that urban legend. Like the call is coming from inside the house, you know? Oh, oh yeah. I thought Scream invented that, but are you just saying? No, the, the it's, other it movie? came. Yeah. It was actually an oh. homage to When a Stranger Calls. Yeah. And prom night, where um, yeah. the call is, uh, especially when a stranger calls, where the call is coming from inside the house. That's where it comes from. Uh, the director of When a Stranger Calls um, was talking about the same thing in an interview where he went to a weekend screening of his own movie. And he said that he sat in the back of the theater. And in that opening <laughs> scene, when the babysitter is talking to the guy on the phone, and the phone is like, you know, it, she gets a number of calls, just like Drew Barrymore does yeah. in Scream. And he said that people were like standing up and they were standing in the aisles and they were just screaming at the screen, like telling her like, the call Don't is coming up. from inside the house. Get out of the house. <laughs> it is crazy to imagine. Go grab like the now, kids. Get out of the house. Don't pick up the phone. He's in the house. <laughs> now that all these like ideas are just, you know, these tropes are just like normal Well, they all come from that 60s, 70s like, era of horror. But also that era, like that was when like, semi-realistic horror started becoming a thing and people probably reacted really differently to movies like i can never i can i can't imagine even for a really fucking terrifying movie like hereditary you know to come out like in recent years that someone would freak out to the point where they like interact in a weird way in the theater i just can't imagine that anymore you know so it must have been like a pretty special time for you to like actually get so freaked out that you would you know I imagine it was a pretty special time for movies, period, because the Hayes production code came down. So you could finally see all this like, you know, you don't have to like movies don't have to look like um, Broadway productions or like um, like theater plays anymore. I have to ask you guys, or maybe people were just stupider back then, unlike the geniuses we have. now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Well, Um, they also invented these. the, The tropes didn't invent themselves. They invented them. But hey, you know what? If like Netflix has its way in a few years, uh, people will be able to like shout at their movies, and if they feel like it, they could probably change the the movie like uh, depending on what they like feel that like. Kind of yeah. Thing? yeah, exactly. Choose your own so adventure. So for all the all the like um, sensitive people, they can uh, you know turn it into a romantic comedy. Maybe she like. Did you guys ever watch Bandersnatch and, then, um, and just let it nah. default all the way through? Do you no, get the worst ending or something? I didn't, I didn't watch it. What no, happens? I mean, I, I would say the worst ending, but it's like the happiest ending and de- debatably like the true ending that the director intended. 
Okay. I mean, I'm assuming that if it just defaults all the way to that. Oh, no, that's that's the that's the real horror. Uh, if like Netflix continues on its way, and you know, movies can be uh, you know fast yeah, forwarded. Like, you get to choose your own <laughs> ending. Because they're like gathering shit. all the data from us while we're sitting in our houses and like having conversations and like all the stuff <laughs> that we choose to watch. Of course. Yeah. They're the true enemy. Forget Donald Trump. Netflix, true enemy of the people. <laughs> of the mind. Uh, all right. Uh, I think we're approaching on time. Uh, so uh, I think we should wrap it up soon. Uh, do you guys have any last thoughts? Any any movies you, you want to talk about quickly? Mm, not, in, not in particular. I just... I, I felt like this is maybe a good, um, a good like I, I don't want to put this out, but I, hopefully it, it it leads to some good kind of um, inspiration for for listeners in terms of like cool stuff to, to watch. Because for me, for the most part, like I don't really bother with the horror genre unless someone tells me this is really fucking scary. This is like really fucking special because a lot of it is it, it's just the same commodity like slasher shit that you see today, right? To Liza's point, a group so. of people hanging out and then a killer shows up. Yeah, it's like whatever. Picks them off one by one. Like, I'm not going to stand up in the theater over this thing, right? But if you tell me like, oh, this movie is actually like, it tries to avoid a trope, like avoid jump scares or like it tries to do more world building or whatever, then I'm I'm super into it. I'm curious if like uh, our listeners go ahead and watch The Vanishing and they also think it's scary uh, just just because I, I was so like, this movie was so hyped up to me over the years by people and... Maybe it was just like you had to be there in like 1988 like, when it came out I think or that a lot of movies that um, are in the horror genre, I, like 90% of them aren't scary. They're just entertaining. They are scary situations. But I'm not like up at night, like trembling with like the blankets pulled up over my head, you know? No, like hereditary definitely did fuck me up for about a week i think hereditary <laughs> is the last movie that really did that to me and then like to the point where i didn't even want to watch midsommar and then i <laughs> saw midsommar and all it was was slow boring and gross <laughs> you know mm-hmm. but hereditary you know like every director has one good movie in them and like i guess hereditary <laughs> is um... well, i think that's being very generous Liza. <laughs> <laughs> like hereditary is like his good movie I think it's going to be so hard to beat. Man, I, I, I'm now like all amped up for this, but um, I also want to make sure I'm not like too amped up for you it. You know, one of the best parts about but... Hereditary was that I never even saw a trailer for it, never read an article about it. It was before I got into the horror genre. And so I watched it. And then like with Midsommar, it was like so hyped up. I saw every trailer. Um, yeah. People would like release clips of it on Twitter and talk about it. And so by the time I saw it, it was just so underwhelming because, you know, it's so, uh, I already knew what was going to happen. I would say hereditary, like 45 minutes into the movie, I still was like, what are we watching? What, what is this movie about? It's a slow burn. It's a good one. All right. Uh, so I think that wraps it up for this episode. I uh, hope our listeners have a very good Halloween. Stay safe. Don't go trick-or-treating. <laughs> uh, just eat chocolate inside the safety of your own home. Should um, they vote? And <laughs> probably, I guess. If you want, whatever. <laughs> Debatable. Um, and I would recommend, if you have great costumes, save it for next year. You know, like, no, uh, take out your like, uh, backup costume. Wear it this year. Wear it around your house. <laughs> I, I would i would save it for next year people uh take out your like uh, a, a b class costume uh maybe but um okay so until next time it might be after the election so who knows what the hell the world will look like then uh but hopefully we'll still be around <laughs> all right bye everyone be safe see ya